Welcome. To what? Running on low fuel this morning. My coffee has not kicked in. Uh, and uh, that's all I got. <laughs> because you're on low fuel. How are you? Right? Uh, because I'm on low mm -hmm. fuel, mm -hmm. indeed. Yeah. How are you? How are you? How's Team If? Um, Matthew Stanley, well, professor um, at. And, yeah. yeah, one of my classes this semester is meeting at eight in the morning, so I am Oof. a little uh, more tired than I typically am. Oh, so you've already taught a class? Uh, yes, classes started this week, um, and uh, you know, I mean today you're showing up. So, no, no, this is uh, earlier right. in the week. I'm oh. just it's just lingering tiredness. I'm sure it'll go away in ten or twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, I think that's why they give you sabbatical. You know, uh, that is the know, idea. You know, yeah. The... yeah, yeah. Uh, Gabby, how are you? I'm good. Normally, How's this your, uh, uh, this machine runs on the uh, the suggestion of caffeine. I won't actually say caffeine because I drink decaf like a wimp. Um, but it's 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 the principle of holding a cup of coffee that is part of my morning routine. Um, but since we, uh, we recently shifted around to, uh, deal with, with the, uh, change in Professor Matt Stanley's schedule, and, uh, I did admittedly forget that this was today. So I was just chilling uh -huh. up until about five uh, minutes before I hopped on. I was like, oh having a normal my. Friday. And then I was like, Dangerous. oh my God, no, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for making it happen anyway. I've, I've done the same at times, um, and uh, also here with us is Joshua Reinstein from uh, also from NYU as I was an ex ex NYUer a ex survivor oh yeah. <laughs> yes survivor. I survived mm -hmm. yeah. despite everything I made I it through um, and uh, Joshua has some uh, exciting news for us Joshua has joined our yeah. staff recently and he is. He's uh, helping us with all kinds of things, uh, one of them being this thing called Patreon. So let's assume, and it's a fairly safe assumption, it's not, it's not always, but the, assume my mother's listening and has no idea what Patreon is. How would you uh, explain Patreon? Well, Joshua. First of all, um, it's very nice to meet you, and I think your son is a wonderful human being. <laughs> Um, so you want to know how Patreon works. Oh my God. I just had to, I had to, um, yeah. So Patreon is a wonderful, magical place where if you, uh, put down a certain amount of money at a certain tier level, you can get access to all kinds of amazing, cool rewards that can be yours for a certain amount of money. So we have different tiers and the tier structures work as uh you pay a certain amount of money per month and then every month you get access to certain things like we have a newsletter that we use to update people on what we're doing with the podcast how things are going and we also have uh merch items that you can purchase at a certain at, at the at the at the larger tier levels uh we have at the 
$5 level, we have access to the newsletter. At the $10 level, the Clockwork Universe level, we have access to um, an exclusive What They Have sticker featuring our logo emblazoned on it in all its glory. And then at the it's $20 level... It's an exclusive level, sticker. By it's the way, an exclusive I just want you to know, you, you can't mm-hmm. get this... You can't get that sticker, sticker anywhere else. You can't get this anywhere else. There's one sticker that everyone has to share. <laughs> it has can... tremendous sticking power. <laughs> yeah. It has the power to stick to literally anything. It is virtually un, uh, unstickable. You, you, can, you cannot remove it from anything. <laughs> Not right. sure if that's a good right. thing. It'll or... stick to any... It'll st- if you see an if coming, throw the what the if exclusive sticker on it, just so people know. You know, give it the proper safety distance. So basically, we have all kinds of uh, materials um, that are promotional, but also fun. And again, could protect you if you're superstitious. Or or maybe this is a good time to create a superstition around ifs, um, good or bad. For instance, if you want to drink in ifs, drink in thought experiment, ideas for thought experiments, you want to start, you, you could get the fire goblet or whatever we're calling the mug oh. that has the uh, mm-hmm. logo on it. On one side, the logo is normal. On the other side, it's reversed because this this mug has traveled through multiple universes. By the way, the sirens coming in the background are uh, because of the uh, I believe those are, I those are mine. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> those are yeah, yours. Th- those yeah. are, those Matt are the time lords. unleashed. Matt yeah. has violated timescape. <laughs> it happens. You, you, you can only, you're only allowed to change we pulled them from other dimensions, and so we're constantly on the run. We had to switch recording right. locations mm-hmm. just exactly. the other week. Right. Exactly. It's a smash and grab operation across time. Um, well, thank you. I'm sure my mom, I'm sure that totally helped my mom completely understand uh, what was going on. All I can say is for those I'm of glad. you uh, who, who are in my age group and, and older, you remember PBS? You can be like, like that. We actually. <laughs> tote bags are an option. I don't think we're actually offering tote bags, but we could. If you if you think a tote bag would get you going like they used, used to get on PBS, let us know. Um, and uh, it's like that. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash what the if, all one word, go check it out. Now, the show today uh, comes to us from a new, or the idea for the show today comes to us from a new listener Oh, first of all, let me let me give it. I do want to give a real deep, sincere thank you to Don from Pennsylvania, who who is the one we were just talking about. Who just joined us at the Patreon level. Be like Don, join us at Patreon. Um, and we got a new idea sent to us from a listener, a new listener, uh, Beckett. Uh, and I'm not sure. I asked. I, I sent a, a follow up missive uh, to Beckett to find out where where in the universe he's listening from. I'm always curious about that. And I'm always curious, by the way, if, if you're listening and you've never contacted us, do so. Feedback at whattheif.com. You can just shoot us an email or you can just go to our website and uh, contact us right there. And I'd love to know where you are how to, and uh, how did you find us uh, in, in the first place. But Beckett writes, hey, guys, uh, I became aware of your podcast a few weeks ago. And due to being in between jobs at the moment... So congratulations mm-hmm. or my sympathies, depending on how that what what the reason for that I is. Feel but about that. yeah, yeah. But due to being in between jobs, I've been devouring the back catalog as quickly as I can. Holy smokes! 
That's the sound for devouring the back catalog. That's, by the way, we get a lot of folks. This is my mailbag music. I queued in late. I love this music. Thank you guys. You guys are great. A lot of people join us and say, I've been going, I'm listening to, once I, they listen to one, it's sort of like, we're like Utz potato chips or <laughs> something. Uh, or Lay's, if you prefer that. You know, are you a Lay's person or an Utz person? Actually, I'm a, I'd be a Pringles person, I think, if I had to. But uh, so he's been soaking in all things. That's an amazing thing. So thank you, Beckett. Uh, glad to hear you enjoy it. And he says, this is my favorite, I even had a dream about time travelers. Well, last week's episode was about time travel. I even had a dream about time travelers who were called ifers. Oh, nice. man. That wasn't a when dream. When you start dreaming in... Yeah. But in the future, <laughs> the ifers are an actual known thing. Like, what if has risen right. to such a level where they are literally patrolling the streets. <laughs> exactly. So uh, uh, just forget that you saw that. We'll, we'll, mark, we'll erase it from the record. <laughs> Right, the men in black who are also wearing uh, what the if logos uh, will be showing mm -hmm. up fairly soon. Um, but he had a, a dream about. By the way, I think when you start dreaming an if, it means you fully, you fully have acclimated to that. Like that, yeah, like if you start dreaming in a language you're learning, Sounds right. mm -hmm. you're in, you're in. Beckett, you're totally in. You are, by the way, Beckett, a super ifer, because we are choosing your idea for the show today. So anyone who sends in your idea, you will automatically rise to super ifer status if we take your idea. And here's, and here's what Beckett says. My idea was that you could do a show called, uh, titled, or with the idea of, what the if? Oh, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to switch to that music. Guys, thank you very much. Pick up your check on the way out. That's our country band, our little bluegrass band, uh, joining us, the Ifers. Uh, if and the Ifers, if in the coffee has not kicked in yet. But <laughs> <laughs> nonetheless, Beckett asks. Yeah. <laughs> um, Got to work on that Maryland accent. You're up in Bucks County. You got more of a Pennsylvania thing. Yeah, I know. I guess uh, I got well, like to the sci-fi characters. Joshua, give us just a one, just quick oh my from our friend George Takai. Oh my. Yeah, that's pretty good. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> Joshua can channel George Takai incredibly. And here we go. Thank you. Beckett asks, what the if? There were no fossil fuels. No fossil fuels. Now, we're going to have to... With the, that, that automatically opens up a lot of other questions. But... Running on no fuel is what I told you. No fuel, no fossil fuel. First thing we have to decide, I think, Matt and Gabby, is we have to def define the if. Does he mean... Or are, what, what, what are we going to run with? That no fossil fuels ever existed or that they suddenly ran out? I, I think it's more interesting to say, what if they never existed? Yeah, I think what that's probably right. As, as much as I appreciate a good apocalypse, um, <laughs> let's, let's do none in the first place. Um, right, right. Yeah. Um, and no I suppose, fossil fuels. 
Yeah, so a logical point of departure is probably to explain why they're called fossil fuels, right? Um, yes. So when we're talking about fossil fuels, we're talking about um, petroleum, right? So uh, that thick, viscous liquid that we separate out into useful things like um, uh, like gasoline and kerosene and such, all things that, that burn really efficiently. Um, and they're called fossil fuels because... Um, so they're related to fuels like coal, um, and it turns out that a lot of these are found in fossil beds. So when people first start exploiting these in large numbers in the 19th, or 18th and 19th century, they notice that they tend to be located in fossils. And in fact, a lot of um, oil wells are in fossil beds, like you drill down through the, the fossils to, to get to the oil. Apparently also yeah, fossil was a word even... in general for just things unearthed too. So it wound up being that, uh... you know, it, they were unearthing a fuel that they were using. Um, and mm -hmm. it's not just oil. Fossil fuel also includes coal. Um, so which is a much older fuel source yeah. than just uh, sort of more modern uh, petroleum and stuff like that. Right. So what is a, first of all, a, a fossil? As a kid, I, I got confused by this because I, I, my image of a fossil was a thing in a museum. It was like a rock with like a imprint of a, you know, like a bird's footprint in it. In, in it. And uh, when I imagined going to the gas station as a little kid, I actually thought like somehow that was that rock with the bird's footprint embedded in it was inside the gas pump and that somehow it was just being ground up and put into our car. Oh, that'd be cool. That's not yeah. exactly right. Would be dope. <laughs> um, no, not exactly right. <laughs> That's not correct. Um, what is it? Uh, so a fossil is uh, what happens when um, you get a uh, a living organism that then dies uh, and is uh, its its corpse, its carcass resides in a place where uh, it gets layered over with um, sediment, typically, uh, and then very slowly the um, uh, parts of the carcass get replaced with bits of stone and rock. Um, so you, so it's not an impression of the dead thing, but it's actually a replacement <sighs> of it. Um, Gabby, I don't know if you want to add to that. Well, this is more yeah, I field. mean, there are some types of fossils that are imprint fossils. So for example, if a seashell is in the right kind of, um, I don't want to say soil because it's not really soil, um, but like silt, it might leave an impression in there. And then when slowly the shell part of it um, is degraded over time, the imprint might still be left. Um, this also is kind of cool too with the replacement method um, because you can get opalization of fossils, um, which are super funky mm -hmm. if you look those up um, because it's basically the same process that the bone and whatnot gets replaced with other minerals. Um, yeah, and then the end result is that, you know, even though what you're holding was not really exactly maybe a dinosaur bone, it's still the imprint of a dinosaur bone. So the relevant to the uh, the if for today is that that the fossilization process hap typically happens to um, the harder parts, so things like bones and shells, and that's why we have dinosaur skeletons and not dinosaur biceps or whatnot. Um, but more relevant for today is what happens to the soft parts, which is that uh, they decay, right? and they decay in such a way um, that the organic material left behind gets compressed and heated over long periods of time, like geologic era, geologic periods of time, right? Millions of years. 
um, uh, and eventually get compressed uh, and heated and turn into the yummy petroleum that we eventually pump out of the ground. Um, it's like a stew. Yeah, it's a bacterial <laughs> stew, right? Gabby, am I right on that? That's the um, bacteria that do that decomposition? So I actually don't think the bacteria are directly involved in the creation of like petroleum per se. So yes, the, any bacteria that's inside the organism are going to be part of the decomposition process. Mm -hmm. um, but assumably they, you know, they die out relatively fast on a geologic scale. Like they're just involved in basically liquefying the organism, probably anaerobically, because if this is an organism that's completely covered over by like silt or something like that, mm -hmm. um, it's just going to make it mush pretty quick. And then all the bacteria are going to die because they've eaten through um, all the stuff they can. So petroleum itself is not like a bacterial soup, but yeah, bacteria are involved. Okay. Right. Um, uh, and there's, um, so an easy point of departure is actually just to say that the bacteria that do that decomposition process just never evolved or appeared. Um, and in fact, there was a, a period of time, I want to say pre-Jurassic period, um, uh, way pre-Jurassic period, when the bacteria necessary for breaking down plant matter hadn't yet evolved. So when trees would die, the logs would just lie there forever. Um, oh, so wow. there was some point at which the earth was just covered in non-decaying organic matter. Um, so we'll just, I say we take that as our point of departure and just, we just, uh, the, the, the microbes responsible for the process of creating, uh, petroleum just don't exist. That's I didn't realize that. That's wild. Um, so, wow, that's a huge ramification right there. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're so, saying that. Yeah. So no coal, no oil. Um, and, you know, so for most, I think what we're really interested in is, is pointing out that we, we are, our civilization runs on fossil fuels, right? So if we don't have those, we're assuming that there's going to be something really different. Um, and, uh, so most of human civilization isn't going to be appreciably different, right? Uh, humans know about coal, they know about oil seeps. But they aren't any, there aren't of any particular, you know, industrial or economic significance um, until the 18th century. Really. But so, so what you're saying is, though, in this scenario, that the bacteria that would have, um, is, is this related to the bacteria that would have, no, no, Gabby, you were saying that we don't need these bacteria to create the oil. So, what is it, what are we missing? What what has to happen? Because it sounds like it's huge. Whatever it is, the thing that create the, the the process or the creatures or whatever that create that converts the flesh of the dinosaurs and plants and, and of that time, et cetera, into petroleum, don't come about or well, don't do their job. I mean, I you know maybe right? I don't know as much about the the production of fossil fuels, but you know it, it's really not a bacterial process from what I understand. It's more of a chemical process. So yes, you get some original right. breakdown of a creature, which is going to just happen because bacteria eat everything. Um, but it's not right. like a, it's not an intrinsically bacterial process. Okay. Um, well, let's, let's ditch that then. There's no need to stay attached to that. So although interestingly, the there are bacteria who, that do eat like oil, for example, um, it goes the other way. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. So I think people have investigated Delicious. using certain bacteria for um, creating like cleaning up like oil spills and stuff like that um, because they will eventually consume the oil, but 
it's still a little bit like, come on, just don't spill the oil. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, so maybe we can uh, invert it. There's a, a, a hyperactive bacterium that is that eats all the petroleum and fossil fuels. Um, so we so don't we've have got no around. more left. Yeah, something else has is. <laughs> I love it. Something else has used up all the oil before we get to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we just don't know it's there, that's, right? That's pretty wild. Mm -hmm. um, well, so this presents us with an interesting problem, right? Because most forms of energy use are combustion, including our own metabolism in a manner of speaking is kind of combustion-based. Um, so if you're now really ruling out a major source of that kind of fuel energy... Where are we getting it from? So just regular trees chopping it down? Are we developing giant lenses to boil water to get steam? What what's more feasible? I think Yeah, I love this because this becomes like this is one of those ifs that becomes like a cyberpunk universe. Uh mm -hmm. yeah, so what we've is got the if, next we're, if we're most, replacing the, yeah. the heating power of coal with this guy says something else, right? Um, so okay. wood would be the logical one. Uh, so if we're if we want to, you know, have the same kind of level of human population uh, in the uh, non-temperate zones, then we need a lot more trees cut down to provide that that heat energy. Um, so maybe we get radical deforestation in, say, the 17th and 18th century uh, instead of the 20th. Right, right, right. Um, what's the most useful thing? What's the what would be the next thing on the list? The the biggest bang for the buck um, that we could um, extract fuel. I mean, would, would could we go to no. like we'll never get to solar power, right? Without well, you can. I mean, you can like get that. passive solar power. Um, uh, without much, or just with a little, with a little bit of creativity, right? So you can make uh, big mirrors uh, that don't have to be very efficient, and then you just focus those on a um, uh, essentially a barrel of water, and that'll capture the heat from that quite nicely. Um, these are you'll see heating systems like this in um, hotter parts of the world, like equatorial regions. So I'm going to just stick it on there yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's it's very easy to build and re requires essentially zero maintenance. Um, and if you live in a hot part of the world, that can easily provide um, uh, what you need for like taking a shower. Yeah. yeah. By the way, I was just looking up the, the oil formation and uh, National, National Geographic was telling me that uh, really it's just the heat and the pressure that... Uh, eventually forms the things forms the uh the petroleum from the uh decaying matter and so yeah this for whatever reason that stuff didn't decay in the way it does in our current universe which could mean for instance i what i love about our ifs i will say before we run too far away from the original uh impetus is that the little thing that happens at the very beginning create such a different universe, right? So in other words, it could mean that there were no, uh, that there wasn't, what would it mean? There wasn't enough life on Earth to sit down and die and eventually become <laughs> fossil fuels. What would that mean? Um, you know, it, it, or would it mean that, 
geologic, that'd be a more biological if. And there's a more geologic if, which is that these heat, the heat and pressure and stuff doesn't happen because mm-hmm. I guess there isn't enough for whatever enough uh, geologic matter, which seems to make less sense. Right? That would be a harder so one I, to I'm intru- with, yeah. yeah, I'm intrigued by the idea that they're just, you know, we happen to live on a planet where there was an incredible amount of life before we got here, right? For yeah, billions right. billions of years. <laughs> If that um, wasn't the case, then we live on a more, you know, a more arid planet, perhaps, or something yeah, less. Yeah, so like if we imagine that the, the dinosaur, the dinos, let's say the dinosaurs survived, right? Um, and they try right. to have their industrial revolution um, 60 million years before <laughs> yeah. us. They have 60 million yes. years less of fossil fuels than we do. So they don't have that energy-rich material to jumpstart their industrial system with, right? Um, right. So right. we're just great, to, yeah. we, that's right. We we can only we only have a fossil fuel uh, powered society because we're the Johnny Come Lightlies, right? Because we're late yeah. in the geological system. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, and that's there's mm-hmm. a soup. That's a oh, I, I like this just from a writing, <laughs> like a screenwriting mm-hmm. point of view. It's like everything stays the same. It's just that we are talking about our, ourselves arriving or a lot earlier. Than we did in our current universe, um, and uh, fun fact: what was it? The dinosaurs died sixty-five million years ago, and they but yep. they lived for a hundred plus million years, right? So it's entirely reasonable to expect had they been a little bit just a whole other if. And in fact, we've done dinos- some dinosaur ifs. I encourage you to go whatif.com and check these out. But it's kind of like they had a lot of time to. They could have had an industrial revolution if they'd just been a little bit more sharp. In the head, um, and in fact, could have had one for five million years or something. Who knows? I mean, we our industrial revolution is uh, well. I mean, our years? we're we're essentially running out of our fossil fuels two hundred years into our oh. industrial revolution. So that's not so great, right? Um, true. That's true, a problem. True, true. Right? So if you're an industrious yeah, dinosaur, yeah. you're left with, let's say, no fossil fuels. Uh, you have solar Oops. and you have geothermal and then you have yeah. wood as your, I guess, three main ones. Maybe I'm missing something else in there. Right. You also have smaller dinosaurs because, you know, I think they. Yeah. You can get them on a little treadmill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But those are the major yeah. ones. Yeah. 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 Um, Pretty sure that's the plot of a book series. Have you ever heard of Dinotopia? Mm-hmm. Is that the plot oh, of that? Because no. I know that there are like sentient dinosaurs that live alongside with people, but I, I didn't There's... think there was a specific specific energy problem. No, no, no. I just mean in the fact that there is a society of dinosaurs who are sentient and can interact with humans. Huh? That's sort of oh. like I don't think they get well. into the global emissions. Well. Yeah, it's, like I don't all, think it goes well. well you. Yeah, like all quote, like all quote utopian stories. It's probably a dystopian story. That sounds mm-hmm. good. Um, sounds right. So, so we are we arrive at a time where, for whatever reason in the timeline, there just hasn't been nearly long enough for fossil fuels to develop in any great uh, quantity. And it sounds to me like interestingly, you mentioned Gabby that geothermal. It seems to me that. Short solar is you have to be pretty clever to get to solar power, which you might. Um, but uh, geothermal 
totally makes sense, right? Of course, you would huddle. First of all, you, they, for, they learn how to make fire. So just burning anything, they probably would do. Um, but, uh, you know, a geothermal source of energy, meaning like a geyser, anyone who's ever been to Yellowstone uh, Park in the U.S. or I suppose Iceland. Matt, you've been to Iceland. I have. Um, seen so some these of those. are, so I should say geothermal sources, things like geysers and volcanoes are really hard to. Volcanoes. Um, hard, hard to harness in a useful way without modern technology. Ah, yeah. Right. So. Oh. Geothermal okay. power plants are not just huddling around a geyser. They're gigantic industrial systems that pump water down into superheated rock and then pump the water back out again. Um, so you cannot, you can't run a factory on Old Faithful. Well, Matt makes a good point, actually, <laughs> sorry, about sorry, running. Gabby, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, Matt makes a good point about running water down into a thing because it seems like a lot of, you know, power generation tactics are essentially steam engines on steroids that you heat water up you use the hot water steam whatever to push a, a turbine and that generates power that's stored in like either a battery or something like that um and so it seems like you know the steam engine like they're never going to get to combustion engine they're going to have to have some form of combustion or heat to run the steam engine but this is going to be a a steampunk dinosaur society then mm -hmm. sounds awesome yeah, <laughs> um, yeah a, I think there's an important sense in which all kinds of fans, like nuclear power, for instance, is still just running a steam engine on nuclear power instead of coal. Um, if we ever get fusion running, it's still just going to be heating up water that we then pump through a steam turbine. Um, so if we don't have fossil fuels in the first place, then we probably never bother building steam engines. Um, so a lot of these, what we think of as logical alternatives to fossil fuels might not have occurred to us, or they would look really different than they do today. Um, you know, you could build a, a thermoelectric nuclear power plant, um, but uh, that's really, like I said, that's really different, right? You've got to have a totally different approach to thinking about questions of power. But steam engines are pretty old. Like as like as devil's advocate here, the industrial steam engines are new, but the I forget which ancient Greek person it was. Um, they they there was an invention of steam engines to move small um, characters and temples. Um, so if you would like put yeah, like an the offering, Greeks had these. yeah. yeah. Um, so it's like the the concept of a steam engine wasn't really industrialized until a lot later, but small scale steam engines might still appear because assumably they were the ancient greeks were running it off of just like burning oil which yeah, is actually a, a tea kettle yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> although actually what that, i love that... about that is okay go ahead go, go ahead go ahead go ahead i was gonna say oh, what i love about that is that being being someone who works in the theatrical arts somewhat i love the idea of that what may have begun the industrial revolution was simply a need to get us to get to get magic tricks going, <laughs> you know, <laughs> put a little steam under this statue of David and look, it goes up <laughs> and, you know, and the people bow down. We could really do something with this. You know, we really should think about it. We could have magic on a mass scale, mm -hmm. the magic yeah. industrial complex we'd all be trapped in. It's a David Blaine world terrifying thinking then about alternative fuel sources because now i'm just like running down a mental list of like every place that you could possibly get fuel from um so if we don't have yes. old dead things 
Um, new dead things are also uh, good, just in the form of other oils. Um, so, for example, whale oil was huge for mm. a while, um, yeah. which is essentially you kill a whale, you get, um, where were they extract? Was it blubber? It was from the fat, right? Of the whale, I um, think? It was uh, the um, the spermaceti, uh, whatever. Oh, that, which is which, in... I don't know what biological function that has, but there's this oily stuff in the, the skull. I think that's for amplifying echolocation. Oh, is it right? That's cool. I, yeah. I know most of the time, most oh, like wow. whale heads are kind of like hollow. It's, it's why if you've ever seen the skull of a dolphin, it looks really flat and weird. Um, and instead, huh. there's just, uh, like I knew it's liquid, but I guess it makes sense that it's an oil, which is used for directing the echolocation and amplifying the, the signal. Oh, that's that's your, their little radar antenna. It's that just fatty. Really cool. That's really wild, yeah. So dinosaur um, whale yeah, hunters. Yeah, and then they would use that for lighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, dinosaur, dinosaurs versus whales. I think that's a movie that needs to happen. Um, the interesting thing is the it's the patrol it's the petroleum that allows it, what do you call it? It's some sort of um, it's it's the catalyst. It's there's so much. It's it's the cross uh, the uh, the coming together of ease of extraction from the ground such as it is right mm-hmm. and ease of conversion into heat or even other materials right there's tons of things we use that are made uh, plastics right don't they all come from petroleum mm-hmm. um things like that that allowed our society to explode in productivity right, right. and so mm-hmm. without that it seems like we, if if they had absolutely nothing else, then we'd simply be where we were before we discovered how to get oil out of the ground and use it, right? So that long evolution. Yeah, of, we would of, probably uh, the money not Python have the, universe. Yeah, we wouldn't have the as you say the sudden acceleration in economic and industrial power. Um, it right. might be much more gradual, and perhaps actually that would be better for our civilization as a whole, since uh, I would say rapid industrialization has perhaps not been a a complete blessing for our little blue planet oh, here. No. That's really interesting. I never thought about that. That uh, do people write about this matters? You know, this idea that if we'd simply gone slower, maybe things would be better. Uh, yeah, along. I mean, there's there's alternate histories and such of that kind of thing. But I think nowadays that people discuss that as, um, uh, I guess, as a post fossil fuel world is what what would the what, what is the world going to look like in 100 years when we can't rely on that? Um, uh, those those cheap energy sources anymore. Uh, and yeah. it, you know, sustainability is going to have to be um, a lower growth model. Uh, so, you know, not a new iPhone model every year. Uh, and I don't know if we're quite ready to, to hear that news yet. So, that's what Darth Vader was screaming about. I will update my phone every three months. No. Yes. But I bought Apple Care for five years. Yes. Um, if if the rate had uh, so if the industri- the industrial revolution which came around in what the late nineteenth late eighteenth century, century. Is that correct eighteenth late eighteenth century 
Okay. If that had not happened, and we were moving very slowly forward, we would probably. What year might you, do you think we might be living in the equivalent of now, if we were continuing? The rate well, was ridiculously so, slow, so, right? Well, I mean, of human advancement. I don't know. That's 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 kind of hard to to calibrate such things. Um, so China, right. for instance, does not have an industrial revolution on its own. Right. It it sort of continues on oh. with the kind of industrial processes that the pre-industrial manufacturing processes that have been doing for for a long time. Um, and so it's actually interesting to note that the West doesn't pull ahead of China economically, despite the Industrial Revolution, um, until the late 19th century. That is, it's 100 years of industrialization wow. in the West before, um, the, before Europe and America sort of catches up with China as an economic entity. Um, so it might not be quite so much different than, than we would think. Wow. So if Gabby is working in virology, or just say in biology... <laughs> What what does her lab look like? Uh, I don't think I have a lab. Uh, there's no lab. I, yeah, I mean, you're, well, the science is going to be a lot cruder because there's yeah, and so you're doing much it by candlelight, right? Yeah, which I mean is actually quite better at enforcing a work life balance. Let's be honest. Than, uh, <laughs> what electric yeah, lights allows right. grad students? That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, you know, another way to imagine this, if going, was simply that the oil was there, uh, the fossil fuels are there, but they were much hard. For some reason, we hadn't found them yet. They were much, much deeper or much harder for us to find, and they're just waiting. You know, um, it's it's kind of interesting to imagine. That, and, and again, if you're any of our listeners have ideas, uh, uh, science fiction stories where this is explored. I'd be curious, uh, some worlds where we, we continued, you know, the pre-industrial revolution just very, very, very slowly forward another couple hundred years or so, and then the oil was discovered. Um, mm -hmm. Or who discovers it first also can be a... You know, yeah, that's right. And that might be an interesting story, right, is whoever manages to get those those big energy reserves first. I mean, there's, you know, it's not an yeah. accident that the British Empire... Um, springs up when it does, and it's not an accident that it's Britain that does that because they do have easily accessible coal reserves in the British Isles. Um, so come industrialization, um, the the Scots and the English can just pull the stuff out of the ground really easily. Um, France, even if it wants to industrialize right away, doesn't have easy coal reserves, um, so they're not able to. Um, so if we're pushing that asymmetry of energy reserves off into the future, that would be a very interesting story, right? Of who who discovers yeah. their coal first. You know, who I mean, maybe it's going to be whoever is living in modern day Pennsylvania at the time and suddenly discovers this. I'm like, oh, that'd be cool. Indeed. Indeed. That's very cool. Um I've got a Gabby, question. what do you you have any go go ahead, Joshua. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we wrap I was up. just thinking about like is solar power out of the question in this scenario? Because we wouldn't have we wouldn't have the means to to harness it, would we? Well, I said it, solar power is a really broad category. So passive solar power, like using sunlight to um, heat up water, which you then use for other purposes, that's totally feasible. Um, right. What we think of as like photovoltaic power, um, uh, like solar panels generating direct electricity. That's a lot more complicated, and it's hard to imagine how that's the first stop 
in an industrial revolution. Yeah. So that's certainly going right. to harness and, the sun and, and, for all sorts of useful things. But. Yeah. And what's interesting is the material, sunlight, has been around for all to take from the beginning of life on, and life on Earth. I mean, probably yeah, that's like right. a very and, key and role yeah. in life on Earth. pre-industrial civilizations use it, right? So Hawaiians used um, this to manufacture salt, right? There are these passive solar energy salt beds that they would, would use. Um, and lots of, you know, I mean, just something like drying food for preservation, uh, you can do that with solar power too. Um, uh, so keeping in mind that, uh, solar covers a, a vast variety of, of, of kinds of applications. Yeah. Yeah. It's also, I always find it fascinating to, to think of how, you know, there's a tremendous amount of oil. It was, was it discovered in the 1950s in, uh, like Saudi Arabia and in the parts of the Middle East, right? Vast oil reserves. And yet the sun has, I mean, they got sunlight <laughs> as much as yeah. anybody could possibly have. And yet, the, you know, it, it was the oil that really, um, the, the ability to dig this stuff out of the ground and burn yeah, and, it. And some, of, and some of those countries, it. I should say, are trying to, are planning on taking advantage of that, knowing that their yeah. fossil fuels are going to run out, but realizing that they're, they're very well cited for solar power development. Um, so, you yeah. know, Saudi Arabia is hoping it will still be uh, a major energy exporter, uh, even after the oil runs out, and we'll see. So, uh, Gabby, your your final takeaway from this uh, show? Yeah, just that, you know, the general uh, society as we think of it today would not exist. Um, and the forms of energy that we were capable of using, windmills, water wheels, light solar and just burning basically everything in front of us is not uh necessarily a good solution um and it's not really gonna enable the kind of uh industrial revolution that um our whole modern society is is built upon so it might be a little bit rough for our our dinosaur industrialists yes not to mention the asteroid yeah Things that puts a damper on things. They just, they just rolled a bad, they rolled a bad uh, roll of the dice all around. Um, thank you, everyone. Thank you, uh, One in Bennett, for this. I, thank you, Bennett, for the, the episode idea. I love this. Uh, no fossil fuels. What do you think? Those of you other ifers out there, what, what do you think about what would happen if we had no fossil fuels? What kind of life would you be living right now? What would you be doing by candlelight? That's always a fun thing to know. Um, and send us your ideas to whattheif.com. Uh, you can go to the website, whattheif.com. You can send us a message right there or feedback at whattheif.com. And join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash whattheif. Uh, now, Gabby, would you tell us this closing ritual we have, which you know gives us energy of a sort? Um, but it comes from a dark place, <laughs> like fossil fuels. <laughs> how how do we close the show, and and why? And everyone else, if you know what it's coming, start warming up your your pipes. Uh, oh, it's and, ready. Yeah. So That's I right. mean, much like the dinosaurs watching the asteroid hurtle towards whatever society they've managed to build without fossil fuels, uh, as we watch the ifs assail us, uh, we cannot help but to shout the name of the show in unison together. What? The... 
Thank you all for listening. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Bennett. Thank you, all our Patreon supporters, past and future. Thank you, Gabby. Thank you, Matt and Joshua. And we'll see you all next week. <laughs>